Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Man, what happened to Glenn? How come I'm he right hasn't here. talked? You're Glenn. Yeah, so... I thought you were Wiley. I am, I'm both. What? So I'm, so I'm Wiley, like... But my real name's Glenn, kind of like your name's Michael. Who is, go, the, right. who is uh, okay. Okay. So Brian and I have known each other for like 23, 24 years. And we met at Japuza. I moved there in 2000. So 24 years now. Wow. Almost. Japuza. And uh, Japuza. Jesus, people. Dude, I am and a so fan. He refuses to call me Wiley. Wiley's okay. like, it's like my music podcast name. So this whole time he's been calling you Glenn and I thought it was another person. Yeah. I, every time Brian's on the podcast, because he likes to stir shit in the beginning, I always have to, to be like, okay, Brian's on the podcast again. So now everyone, my real name's Glenn. He doesn't call me Wiley. So that'll happen in the intro. The other person is Mick. Yeah. Who, who, who edits the pod. He's usually on it, but he had a procedure done to, Open his esophagus and he uh -huh. got pneumonia doing it. Oh man. I'm so, sorry, dude. So Brian is filling in for Mick. Okay. And Mick was in Zayo. What? Hey, what's up? This is Eckerodge from Back to Godhead, and you're listening to the Coffee and Hardcore Podcast. These guys know a ton about hardcore, especially the hardcore encyclopedia. But like me, they don't know jack shit about coffee, except that Jacob guy. He knows his stuff. All right, guys, you've been warned. Peace. Welcome to the Coffee and Not So Hardcore Podcast episode with Brian Gray and Reese Roper. That's right. We got Reese Roper from Five Iron Frenzy. We got Brian Gray of The Blame to guest. And he's actually staying on for the intro. Say hi, Brian. Hi. Brian. Hi. I got Brian Gray. I got Jacob. I got Steven. We got an episode for you. This is going to be great. Brian actually hooked up uh, this episode with Reese. And he said, I know he's not hardcore. And I said, I don't care. I grew up as a Five Iron Frenzy fan, and y'all are going to have to deal with this one because we love Reese Roper. We love Five Iron Frenzy. So we're going to get into this, guys. Um, let's do, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about, about your week and uh, what's going on. 
Steven, what you got going? A Niner gang bang bang. One more time. <laughs> Niner are you, are you, gang are you? bang bang. A 49ers game, <laughs> bang bang. Gotcha. No, I'm Brian is also a 49ers fan. <laughs> so you two are 49ers fans. Right. 49ers is one of the only live football games I've ever been to. That and I saw the Steelers once uh in the 80s. Steelers. Nice. Um, Yo. I'm the alone Lions fan here on the podcast, so go Lions. I'm cool if the Lions <laughs> win. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool with either one. Really? Because I'm not cool if the 49ers win. Compared to what who's left, but you guys are obviously nice. coming up later. So there are, people already know outcomes, but that's you know. true. People already know outcomes. And it's I'm afraid it prob- probably won't be the Lions, but still love you guys and what you accomplished. Because <laughs> I know the whole team's listening. That Michigan hat looks nice. Thanks, man. Look at that. Yeah. You know the news, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I sent it to you guys. And you probably yeah. heard it before I sent it. Moving on. Moving on to Chargers. Did they already uh, say who's replacing him, or are they they not no, doing that yet? No, they haven't said yet, but we all know who it is. Someone on the staff, I'm sure. Yep. Anyways, <laughs> uh, Jacob says we talk too much about sports, so we're That's moving right. on. Um, no, I'm learning. Learning. <laughs> all right, guys. So we have a great episode for you. So happy that Brian hooked this up and that he could um, – kind of fill Mick spot because Mick had a procedure and then he kind of got sick and we love you, Mick. We hope you get better. We love you, buddy. Well, let's get into this. agree to this you agree to it i guess i did officially okay, well, just now reese officially agreed to it so here we are we're kicking it off yeah. welcome everyone to the coffee and not so hardcore episode with reese roper hello friends hello oh. he <laughs> he fronts the amazing scott punk band five iron frenzy brave saint saturn and roper that's right Reese's lyrics have always been socially aware, goofy, silly, and yet incredibly moving at times. I love the balance. I love the balance in your lyrics. I really do. I also love seeing the band develop and grow lyrically and musically over time. When I was a kid, I absolutely loved the silliness. And now that I'm an adult, your music and lyrics have definitely grown as I listen to it. I know you're not technically in a hardcore band as we talked about it, but this is the Coffee and Hardcore podcast. Um, and I could not turn it down when Brian Gray asked, yo, do you want Reese Roper on? I had to say yes, because 
you're one of my childhood icons. And as we all know, ska fits in with that hardcore and kind of punk uh, element there. So we also have Brian Grave the Blame as our special guest. So uh, let's get into it. Everybody, welcome Reese Roper. Woo! Hello. I already said hi, and I totally spoke over you, and I'm sorry. Oh, it doesn't matter. I remember my first podcast. Yeah. So Brian made me go listen to the labeled podcast. He's like, you got to listen to that before you do this one. Just so you know, this one's a lot more laid back. Okay. <laughs> and uh, not as in-depth, but... Um, How was I'm, doing the labeled podcast? It was cool, man. I So uh, I, I listened to... Uh, to to that dude's other podcast i had listened to it for like a year so it was really cool to talk to him you talking about bad christian mm -hmm. Mm. it's i don't know i haven't listened to it in like two years but it was probably my first podcast that i was like oh i like podcasting um and you host a podcast i do (laughs) yeah i think that's i do one (laughs) brian got me turned on to the bad christian i think that's the first one i started listening to also that's pretty cool Thanks, Brian. Thank yeah. you, Brian. Well, tell, oh, hey, friend. tell us about your podcast. Uh, I have a podcast with Joe Yerke, the singer of The Insiders. It started out as us just talking about stuff from being in a band or on the road, and then we ran out of it. We're like, we're almost, I think we're in our third year. So Third year? Yeah. But it's That's just cool. us kind of shooting the shit. Like we're we're just talking about like, hey, what happened to the cat food? Where'd it go? <laughs> What'd you have for lunch? It's kind of like that. So How often do you guys do episodes? We've been trying to do it once a week and then like a, a Patreon version that pays the bills. And by paying the bills, it's lightly paying like for us to ho- put it up on Buzz, Buzzsprout. And we may drink during it. So it pays for that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not advocating that, but it may happen. It pays for your Diet Coke. That's right. <laughs> That's funny. It's called um, Joe and Reese's Pickle and Boot Shop. Say that one more time, because that was amazing. Joe and Reese's Pickle and Boot Shop. How, what, and how? How'd that name come about? <laughs> when we were still touring, we were touring together, and I just remember Joe turning to me, and he's like, hey, man. This is how Joe talks. He's super like, I don't, he's like eight foot tall. And he's like, <laughs> when this is over, we should start a pickle and boot shop. <laughs> so <laughs> random. like, yeah, like 20 years later, he texts me and he's like, Hey, we should do a podcast called pickle and boot shop. So we do. That's awesome. That's a great name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's like, Oh, that's so naughty pickles and boots and i'm like no dude you're naughty uh, like, yeah get your, get your head out of the gutter we'll have to link stuff. we'll have to link that so people can go listen to your podcast oh thank you and That's i will crazy. also talk about this podcast on my podcast Ooh. and they'll to tell two friends and then they'll tell, <laughs> tell two friends yeah it's a circle of life circle yeah of life. yo since you're both here and mm-hmm. i can see you both how did y'all get together and do this the striper cover let's talk about the first time i met brian do it can we do that yeah of course so i knew about his first band rocks in pink cement 
because they were on a sampler, like on a tape. And, and so Keith, the bass player from the original bass player from Five Iron and I had started this kind of metal industrial band. And somehow in Denver, like we had not sucked enough. We were awful, by the way, but like not sucked enough that the, the promoter was bringing in the prayer chain in Mortal. And, um, and, and Brian was playing bass for Mortal. So, one, we were super awestruck, just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. And then we met Brian and, and he's like, yeah, I'm Brian Gray. And Keith is like, like, like white as a sheet. He's like, what? You're the guy from Rocks and Pink Cement. <laughs> <laughs> he knew. He knew. So it was, I was like, you guys are the guys from Exumator. <laughs> that's because it was on the flyer. He knew. <laughs> <laughs> but it was so cool. Like one of the coolest shows I've still ever played. It was so cool. And uh like Mortal is one of one of the greatest bands I've ever ever known personnel-wise and sound-wise. Like just they made such amazing music and it was so cool because it was like, I, I don't remember the other dude that wasn't gyro and Jerome. Jeff, Jeff. Well, there was two guys. So it was either Jeff from the crucified. No, it wasn't. Cause I, was I, I would have. Yeah. It must've been Justin. Cause if it was, if it was, was it Jeff then? It might've been. I don't think so. I think it was Justin because I would have just shat myself for like weeks. <laughs> the Crucified was my favorite band. Still probably is. Mine too. I, I'm going to say they may have been replaced by Queen. But it took, it was like a long time coming. So good. Like for so many years, I just loved the Crucified. So anyway, that's how I know Brian. And you at one point, I'm going to super tangent. Because now it goes full circle. You did a book tour or spoken word tour with Mark. Yeah. Yeah. He still talks to me. He's still like, even though I fanboy out on him every once in a while, he doesn't hate me. He'll still He's talk to me. Really good at ignoring that stuff. I know. He's gotten better. He used to just be like, What's up, Reese? Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't want to hear about it. But now he's See, he's better. My first memory of meeting Reese was obviously Exumator, mm -hmm. but then fast forward and I didn't realize Exumator and then Five Iron were the same band members. Obviously not all of them, because I don't think Exumator had 10 people in it, but the um, Frank Tate who ran Five Minute Walk was from my neck of the woods growing up in Northern California. Right. It's like Hey, we had played a lot of mortal shows for him. I'd done my first blamed record. And he was like, hey, you should come out to the scream and see this new band I signed called Five Iron Frenzy. And I was like, okay. And I remember going to see you guys in Concord. And you guys were all remembered me more than I remembered you. I was like, you guys all look familiar. And then eventually I put it together. Denver, <laughs> like, Exeter, oh, okay. these guys. <laughs> We we all had long hair at that the first time and then the second time not long hair. Yeah, that's why it confused me. 
Yeah. So I was like, I recognize your faces. I'm already horrible at that anyways. And so, but you guys were all talking to me like I would remember right away. So I would oh, no. doing the whole, like, pretend like I knew. Yeah, yeah. It's great to see you again. Then in your inner monologue's like, oh, crap. But um, I know I've met these guys. <laughs> But you're such a you're such a kind hearted person. You are just like, yeah, cool guys. <laughs> oh, Glenn knows the dark side of me, so he he could beg to differ. The um, but like even then, I'm all over the place with this. But at Cornerstone, because one of my questions I had for you was, so at some point, I Glenn will steer this back into reality, but. You guys had gotten so large at Cornerstone, you had to wear almost a disguise just to leave main stage and come like see your friends. Part of that was it was funny to me. <laughs> I did do that. And part of it was so funny because I would dress so outlandishly that I think yeah. people were afraid to talk to me. They're like, I really think that guy has lost it. And that was hilarious. No, because the second, I think the time you came to me, you had a giant cowboy hat. Probably not giant, but you're a giant. So, because you're so tall, I'm always surprised people just don't pick that out. I'm not. I'm 5'12". Not that tall. <laughs> I'm 5'13 <laughs> and, and a half, guys. And I think you had like a bandana, <laughs> like bandit style on. Uh -huh. So I didn't even almost recognize you, but you're tall enough. I was like, I recognize your tattoos, I think. And then I was like, oh, hey, man. And then you pulled it down. But the second you pulled it down, all the little youth groupy kids that were scared of you instantly came out of nowhere. I was like, I don't think these kids came to my stage. And they were like, oh, my gosh, it's Reese Rupert from, you know. Did he have a lot of tattoos back then? I don't remember that. I probably no. had like two. Yeah. yeah. But they're so bad, I recognized them. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it looks like a kid that was homeschooled did your tattoos. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. So I think I don't remember. I think it was either '97 or '98. You guys played Cornerstone and you recorded your live album. Yes. Is, what, what year was that? '97. It was '98. '99. I thought oh, it came out in '99. Yeah, okay. I think it was summer '99. The only reason I can remember this is that I was engaged to be married that summer. And it was like 99. I remember that. So that was the show where you came One out. One of the many like times. Striper. Yes. He did the to hell with the devil. Yes. I remember that. <laughs> I loved it. It was so good. That was my first time seeing you guys. My first time seeing Striper was at Cornerstone like three, four years later. They played the uh -huh. main stage. Later? Yeah. Oh. I was like, I was like, I hope, I hope to God they're not mad at me about that. Of course they yeah. hadn't heard it, but they were so cool. Like I got to go backstage and hang out with them. And I was just like, please don't make a fool of yourself. Please don't make a fool of yourself. <laughs> so cool. They're so I, cool. I but you are a Striper you. fan. Super Striper fan. Yes. That's awesome. I was too growing up. I'm also a super blamed fan. Me too. Uh, Back to your original question. Mick's going <laughs> to hate this when he has to edit it. Reese and I actually talked about doing this song years ago. And then I had gotten sick. And so we revisited it. So we're talking about the Striper cover. 
Yeah, the recap come, for the season. Yep, I'm bringing it all full circle. Yep, I'm just I letting the listeners for, know, so maybe we don't have yes. to edit that. Yes, and so the listeners know, Reese had no idea we were naming it Reason for the season. We just yeah, because I, I would have said no. Yeah, no, it's amazing. No, That's the not. best name ever. No, <laughs> it's, it's so a, funny. It's a girl's name. Let's let's just lead with that. Okay, yeah. my Re- my okay. folks thought they were being they they're like, hey, we're unique. But I go to, I take my, I have two girls. They're on. But that's not even your real name, right? It's my middle name. Middle name. Your name's Michael, isn't it? Yes. So my Ah. folks, my folks, my dad's name is Michael. So they wanted me to not be confused. So they always called me by my middle name. And even like when I was a kid, they would, they would kick kids out of the house. They'd be like, if you call him Michael again, you're out. Mm. (laughs) Like That's not his name. His name's Reese. So. You know, like when the police come or they take my driver's license or whatever, they they're like Michael, or you know, like the first day of school growing up, they'd always. Be so like, it's probably weird to hear Michael. that. It it is, it it, <laughs> it it is, but like um, that this is the weirdest part of of Reese is that like my my kids, I've got two girls and they were doing swim team this summer, and I swear to God, there were eight eight girls. On different swim teams named Reese. (laughs) All these little girls are like, Reese, Reese. And I'm like, what? Do I know you? And they're talking to their friend who's eight. (laughs) So it might be like a more modern girl's name. It's very, very popular right now where I live in the Shenandoah Valley. Very popular. You're like that guy in a comedy movie where the girl's waving and saying, hi, Reese, but it's really some kid behind you. Yes. Yes. Like, I'm not a pedophile. It's my name. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> um, so I think the song is great. My favorite part, I was telling Brian this um, the other day, is when you do the holdout scream and then you're like, oh, I geez. shouldn't have done that. And he leaves that in there. That's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm so glad he left that in there. Me too. It's the best part. Yeah. It's amazing. It hurts to sing that high. Brian, Reese, yeah. have you guys ever done shows or a tour together? Not a tour. Shows? We, we've done shows? No. No? Y'all were it's way festivals. Too, too big. Yeah, festivals, and that was about it. We're Reese, too big. Yeah, we're Reese not. was always really pretty. One nice thing, because so people that don't know Reese... I think it. I guess we should tell some real story here. Um, my, I'll tell my version of it. The Exhumator went to Five Iron. You, you know, we're not going to rehash the label podcast, but Five Iron blew up. Yes, it, they did. Just the right place at the right time. Well, and it was, and it was really good ska music. Yes, yeah. I mean, not discounting the talent and all that good stuff. It's not Just, really. It was really. <laughs> You know, so like I remember coming to see you guys in '98. You were on that Supertones, Staves Acre, Goatee Hook in Chicago. I don't know if it was well, tour. That'd be a cool show. Yeah, play together. Judson. Yeah. Were you living at Japuza? Yep. And I came to the show, and like you, I mean, you guys were massive at that point. And I remember you bringing me on the school bus. Yeah, we also lived on a school bus. So how yes. massive is that? 
<laughs> but no, it's smart because you guys financially knew there's 15 people in this band. If we don't go on a school bus, we're never going to be able to afford to eat. It's true. But, but like, you guys brought me on the bus to talk to Scott and his wife. We did. Yeah. Do you remember that? We're like, can you tell him about Jesus? Please Not quite, come in. But you, you were like, <laughs> quite. I don't know if it was his idea or yours, but somehow it was like, he wants to talk to you. And I was like, you don't realize I'm not that guy, but okay, I'll come hang out. And it was a great time. And you guys brought me on the bus, and you all left. And it was just me and Scott. Oh, and his brutal. Wife. Oh, that's awesome. We are setting you up. Can you please tell him about Jesus? Yeah, you guys split. <laughs> and then I think I watched, I missed the Supertones, which, so you did me a favor. But the, um, boo. The, um, no, I like the Supertones. I just like to make fun of them. But so, you know, you guys had gotten pretty big. I thought it would be interesting because I don't think I heard you talk about the labeled. What was that like all of a sudden being thrown into the spotlight of, you know, were people expecting you to do altar calls every night? I know you guys were ending with worship every night. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. Yeah, I, I thought it was great too. But what was that like? I would like to hear from your perspective. I, I just feel like it was stupid. Like it, it was, I, I th- this is a good thing that Mark Solomon has said to me is he's like, this is like er- early on, I remember talking to him and I was like fanboying out and stuff, but he, he was like, Hey, this isn't real. Like this is, this is fake. Like you're not really famous. You're not like, you're just making music and like, this is your job. So I was like, all right, if it's not going to his head, so yeah. I'm not going to let it go to my head. Um, and, and for us, it, w- it did seem fake. It was weird because we lived in, in a city where like in Denver, it, we would get recognized at shows of course, but then like once a year, you know, you'd, it wasn't like it was, it was like, Oh my gosh, there's Reese. Every once in a while you'd be at a restaurant and the guy'd be like, Hey man, are are you in that band, Fiverr and Friends? And be like, Yeah. And they'd be like, Yeah, I saw you with the pie tasters. Good good job. You get you're an opening band, like you're a local band. Good job. This is the thing about Denver, is like Denver always has had kind of this this like redheaded stepchild syndrome where it it is a super cool town. I think it's kind of caught up with Denver. Now it's like super expensive to live there and everybody gets it, but it's really good weather. It's beautiful. It had all the things of a, of a city, but it, everybody just would be like, Oh, Denver, is it freezing all the time? Or how did you dig out of the snow? And it doesn't snow a lot. You know, like it it wasn't, it's like, uh, it's like California without the ocean or without like all the increased, property prices but you have this but there's skiing up in the resorts so everybody equates that that's denver right like no that's aspen or whatever but yes we always joke like there's a joke that aspen is like the coldest part of california so it's like (laughs) those are not those are not coloradans in there coloradans work there they live down in carbondale down the hill yeah but like you know for us it, it Denver never, they, they just, 
didn't respect local music. There was no, there was a little scene, but it wasn't like bands were getting signed right and left. It wasn't most, like you were. Most of us from the Christian industry were like that. Like my band was never big in San Francisco or Chicago or Huntington mm-hmm. Beach. We did better when we played out of the country and went to where the music was, where people wanted it. I'm sure that yeah. was y'all. And that's even when I, when I think back to you guys having to close your shows with the big worship and. Listen, I thought the worship was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, saw, not, not I, really like, I, saw, I saw you guys at Sky Mania with OC Supertones and Insiders. I think it was like in Grand Rapids or something. You did that tour. And you guys did worship afterwards. Like you say, are you saying the altar calls fake? Are you saying the fame's fake? Are you saying the worship's fake? <laughs> the famous I... fake. The famous yeah. fake. Like I'm really not famous, especially because now. I've, well, I felt I do. When you guys did the praise of worship though at Scott Mania, I felt it. Like I felt that it was real. So that just confused me. No, but you're not talking about the worship part. No, I hope that was real. So before every show, we would just be like. We'd pray and just say, God, if you want us to do this before or after or during, anytime you want to step in and say something or us sing, just do it. Now, where that where that was fake is that there are times when I think I felt like there was an obligation to do it or I felt like the pressure to do it because people like sing sing one more song we didn't do altar calls we still have not ever done one i don't think and it was like i i don't know you kind of feel this obligation because somebody experienced something at your last show somebody experienced something transcendental they they felt the holy spirit that worship was real and so you're like maybe maybe this is god and i don't i don't care like God can, God doesn't need us to be willing to do that or unwilling or to be fake about it or real. He'll get in there. But um, we were willing. And I, that was not fake. Like our hearts were, dude, let's throw it all out here. Let, let's let God get in there. And, and I, I just feel like in hindsight, there were times when I was like, I, I should have not done it. And I did it because everybody was like, yeah, sing sure. praise songs or whatever. And I, God, yeah. I'm sure God used it. I'm sure he was alive in that. But my, my, I guess my motivation was, I, th- I think if we don't do this, everybody's going to be mad or the youth pastor is going to be mad. And so I did it. And I think I, it's important I'll interrupt you, sorry, to tell people that for the listeners here, because I don't know the demographic mm-hmm. for this podcast myself, 90s and early 2000s, Christian music, there was a lot of pressure yeah. from, from other people. Would, you would get hired as a band, and I was in a band half the size of yours, and I still have people coming to me going, hey, great, you play it. We're doing loading at five, and we're doing dinner at six and doors at eight and you guys will play at nine 30 for 90 minutes. And at that 90 minute end, how do you plan on doing the altar call? Uh, which again, for the listeners who don't know, there were shows where they expected us to come and give an invitation 
Yeah, it's pretty weird. Up the Lord. And so I remember even I'm like in the same boat recently. And this is in my interview where I was probably similar to you that I went, whoa, about, I'm going to go pray about this. Or, but I, I'm not a pastor, man. Like, and I'm a horrible speaker. So I was like, yeah, let's not do that. And so that's why I, I thought it'd be an interesting conversation and out of this because you guys had went to a different level than I did it. You guys were playing Judson College, ginormous Christian college. So there was all of a sudden expectations. And I would also interject as we're having this conversation so the listener knows what I always thought was great about you guys is you never were doing it for the money. And that was what I thought was very special, that it wasn't fake. Just like you said, you were like, this is weird and how do I be as real as I can in this scenario? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I think for us, the motivation was and and is still like, hey, man, th- this truth has changed my life. Like, just, you know, the, this, this needs to be said. And I think we were in a culture at that time where it was, it was totally accepted and sometimes expected that you would speak out about that i don't i mean i i'm not bummed that we did that i am just i i like in hindsight i'm like hey dude slow it down a little bit like are is this the holy spirit or is this you being afraid no exactly and i remember so there's a great documentary that Steve Albini, the famous producer. Oh, yeah. I remember that. He sent it. Yeah, his girlfriend, who's now his wife, did a documentary called Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? Yeah. I believe she interviewed you for it. Yeah. I was a little behind the scenes of that. I know you were one of the people she said, I want to talk to some authentic Christian musicians. And all these people at Cornerstone that year were like, Steve Albini's girlfriend, I got to talk to her. And you're like, so I was trying to weed out the people that or just wanting the fame. So I know she had talked to you and I was relieved that you guys had talked. I had no right idea that, she was Steve Albini's girlfriend. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> and what was cool was that, but I think we did that on purpose too. Yeah. To make sure Reese doesn't know who you are. Let's just do an interview with you. And then. Um, You're so probably, cool, wouldn't Brian. Cha- probably wouldn't no have changed way. it though, right? No, You're so it cool, dude. Yeah. yeah. But the, uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the point of my story was, in the documentary, and I don't know if he's talking about a Supertones or a Five Iron show, that there was a famous writer she interviewed who did, like, uh, for, for music magazines, like Spanner, I don't remember who, Alternative Press, whatever, your cool magazine back in the 90s. And he's talking about, he goes, I went to this Christian's caution, and they're getting ready to shut the doors, and I'm feeling this emotion. There's emotion from the music. There's emotion from the people. And he goes, I'm either going to accept the Lord right now with, or I think he said, paraphrasing, I think he said, I'm either going to accept Jesus right now or go outside and have a cigarette. He goes, I went outside and had a cigarette. But that's how real the experience was for me. That's interesting. One thing I do both. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. One thing I wanted to add, though, is, I felt like 
you five iron frenzy as a band especially your lyrics weren't overly christian like i feel like you your lyrics could have you could have fit with almost any band i feel like our lyrics are actually christian i think that's the difference you know what i'm saying right i know man yeah they're not they're not not christianese i should say yeah but i i just think like I think our our views came from the character of Christ and not from what what the mainstream evangelical culture was telling us. Except, sure. like I just said, sometimes yeah. I'd feel like we had to do praise and worship at the end of the show. Yeah, but I'm, your, I'm talking about lyrics in general. Yeah, lyrically. It wasn't your trombone player, though. He was like part of a church staff. Um, Yeah. He, I think he is now. I think he does worship at his church, Christian City Church in New York City. If you guys want to go see Dennis, yeah. Um, he, yeah, and I mean, like for half of our band, we started a church, which is still going. I knew that, yeah. So we were all on staff. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean. But on we the music started, side of things, was there any pressure from Five Minute Walk? Frank, this is the the beauty of Frank, is he would be like, our first album, he'd be like, first song we want to put on the first album is The Old West, which is a song basically about Christians being kind of part of the genocide of American Indians. Yeah. So not a, not a really hooky radio song but he's like i don't think you should put it first i i think it's gonna sink in the midwest he'd always talk about the midwest (laughs) i don't think they're gonna get it but i believe in you guys so if you want to do it and you think it's important then do it and that was frank like he he'd get behind it and you could sell him on stuff but he could also talk us into like this is a bad business decision yeah I need you guys to be able to pay your bills. So can we move this song to the middle of the album? Can you change this lyric? I don't ever remember him being like, this is offensive or this is going to, you know, not sell records. He'd just be like, is there a kinder way to say this? Yeah. Which is Christ. Good to have that person in your corner. Yeah. 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 And I knew the answer to this question is why I asked it. Cause Frank is a legit amazing dude. Yeah. Love him. I love Frank. Still, he did the labeled podcast. I enjoyed the the stories about how cool Frank was with your back catalog. Mm-hmm. He really is like a a legit dude. You might hear if you hang out with enough people who interacted with Five Minute Walk, they'd be like, "Yeah, I've got a shitty story about Frank," and it's usually because Frank operated like not as a normal record company guy. He wasn't just like, I'm going to pay you what this is worth. He'd be like, look, weird. All the money from this is going back into this. So do you want to do, do you want to drive across the country and, you know, to hang out with the band? (laughs) And and some people would be like, yeah. And later on, they'd be like, gosh, dang it. I could have asked for $10,000. But yeah. probably not. He would have just found somebody else that was excited to do it to keep costs down. Yeah, so, every time I've ever heard 
somebody complain about Frank. I just don't like. I get it. You didn't get what you want. Yeah, it's usually like. I mean, we have we have people in the band that are like upset still about him, you know. But like, also, you paid your bills. You know, he didn't yeah. he didn't buy us all this this huge touring rig, but. He also kept the cost down, and that was his thing. He didn't—he didn't know you needed a a wedge so you could hear yourself. Yeah, he made sure he had a school bus. I mean, he's a—he's a business <laughs> guy. Yeah. Now, what about the concept of seasons? Um, that was that season of your guys' career, life, whatever. How does that compare to you guys coming back? So we legitimately decided we were going to break up, but like kind of left the back door, you know, someday we might talk about this again and then got back together by accident just because the guy that took over our website started a countdown and everybody's like, yeah, they're getting back together. So we were like, we have to write a letter. We have to put something on the website to say, we're not getting back together. And then said, what if we got back together? So we did. So we've been back together longer than we were together the first yeah. time. That's amazing. Which is, yeah, it feels like we're cheating because we're like, this album, you know, we've been together 35 years, not that long. It's like 25, 20, since 19, we started in 95, almost 30 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> but we cheated. We took. Nah, a lot of bands. Off. Yeah, but we said we broke up. The Blame did that we, too, we, right? We did like Reese. We just kind of stopped. Yeah. yeah. That's like, the way to do it. Just be yeah. like, hey, we're taking a break. Like, why Don't do I need to make to... announcements? Yeah, we did that. And we sold a lot of albums because of it. And a lot of people came to our last shows, which I'm yeah. honestly, we we intended to not do it anymore. So this, this version, the difference is uh, two of the people in the band are agnostic. And I just feel like we're we're further along. We're we're older. We have kids. We we have real jobs. We have to pay for things. We're not doing music as a living. So usually, that is not any factor. You know, it, whereas before the first time you'd be like, okay, if you don't put that album some on the album, it, or you don't put that song in the album, you you'll probably do better or you don't put that song first. It will sell more albums. And now we're just like this song about immigration needs to be first because it's going to make people think, or it needs to throw down the gauntlet and say, yeah, Hey, we think this is actual Christianity that you, you should be following this biblical example of protecting immigrants or caring for the, the homeless or caring about kids, you know, like not, not dying in gun violence that can go on the album. Whereas before, I don't think we could have done that. Yeah, no, I, I love how brave you guys are. I always have with just being able to handle topics and whatever, you know? So I always think that's great. One thing I thought would be interesting for the listeners that don't know the backstory is, and you've told this before, so we don't have to go into it too bad. You guys kind of broke the mold 10 years ago or whatever with 
when you came back with your crowdfund. Yeah. That was a big deal. I remember being like, they raised how much money? Right. It was stupid. It, it was big for like three months. We broke the Kickstarter record. So we got it. We got like some press with that, which was awesome. And then Amanda Palmer then raised like a million dollars. We're never going to catch that. Reese, let me ask you this. Yeah. So you asked for a certain amount of money on your Kickstarter. Yeah. You reach it, then you get more. What do you do with the rest of the money? Um. So this is a little known fact about Kickstarter. You are like, you're like, man, that, that band made 300,000. Well, most likely they're spending 50,000 on shipping 200,000 on, on, you know, like fulfilling all those obligations, making the CDs, making records, all that stuff. So we did, we did a payout for the first Kickstarter. So everybody in the band got about five grand, which we had broken up for 10 years. So everybody had to buy new gear. Mm. Everybody. You know, like even me, I was like, I got to get new in-ears. I got to get this stuff. I'd probably have the least to buy, by the way. I don't want to yeah. sound like I'm throwing myself on the barbed wire or anything. But um, so the other guys had to buy, had to buy, you know, they, they didn't have guitar cabinets anymore or good drums. So that is where it went. That makes so, sense. Yeah, the second time we did a little bit better because we were like, don't make a bunch of stuff that, you know, like make stuff that's easier to fulfill. The first one, I was doing like handwritten lyrics, like a hundred of these. And I'm such a perfectionist. I had to do it in Sharpie. So it was, it took me two years to do a hundred because I'd be like, I mess up. Holy cow, for real? Yeah, Yeah, I was going to bring that up. It took you years to fulfill the first Kickstarter. Well, yeah, the, the second one were like apart, t-shirt. That was a Kickstarter, also. Yes, okay. and we actually beat our 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 money on the first one with the second one, but it was by no means a Kickstarter record. It was just better. By the, the way, Kickstarter I love that, was I love for that which, record. Yeah, which record was the Kickstarter for? Sorry, go on. the last two. Yeah. No, but the first big one was for Engine of a Million list. Plots. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our album titles are super serious now. We're trying, we're super serious. It's not. Well, that's one thing I, w- I wanted to ask you was like, what is the difference? Cause your older records, like say your first three records to these last two, what is the difference in writing and making them? Oh man. It's, it's so different. It's I'm so sure. different. Um, Like the first First one coming back, Engine of a Million Plots. I'm just like, I I don't know how I sing anymore. It's been 10 years. How do you do this? And I I think, especially on our, our last album before we broke up, um, I felt like I, I just had to like yell as loud as possible. Like that's how I conveyed emotion. I just yell like a lot of like just pushing with my diaphragm. And by the time we got to this, Scott, who is, 
who was our original guitar player. One of our original guitar players became the bass player in the modern five iron. Um, he, he wrote most of the songs. He, he has on the first album, he served as like a co-producer. And then the second one he produced super smart. He's like, don't sing that hard. It doesn't sound good. Like try this, like really light, try singing this way. So that first album after we came back, it's not very dynamic. I think the way that I sing. And then the second one is kind of more, I feel like I was more myself. So on, uh, until this shakes apart, but that's different, you know? And the other thing is coming back, realizing that I can't sing that high anymore. So I don't know if you guys want to hear this, but I found out somewhere in there, somewhere singing karaoke or something that if I took a swig of fireball, I could, it would like add another octave. Like I was back in my old really? range. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Kids don't try this at home. So then you're hammered drunk by the end of a set. Well, some, <laughs> sometimes. So I will like, you'll see a Starbucks cup, like one of those plastic Starbucks cups. Cause I don't want to advertise like, Hey, I'm drinking, but I'll fill it up with fireball, a little bit of other whiskey and then some water, teeny bit, teeny bit of water keep you hydrated yeah exactly <laughs> but like i found out that if i if i have a high pipe part coming up and i just swig it it kind of opens up my pipes so if i'm really out of shape vocal vocally or it's just been a bad night i'm i am like doing a lot of swigs and it's it's not my favorite thing but it works <laughs> We still we still get through the show and I can sing those high parts. But That's so by the this new album, I had figured out don't write stuff so high. Don't do it. Try and stay an octave lower. And I feel exactly. like yeah, I feel like I I like my range better. I feel like it's more I think it's your best album. Thanks, man. Thank it's you. Really Thank you. Like Brian wrote me and was like, we should be listening to the new albums. And I was like, dude, I've been listening to his new album for like the last three days. It's so oh, good. Thank you. <laughs> well, I forgot even when I list, went back and listened to the, the Kickstarter one, the Engine of a Million Plots, how much there wasn't even a lot of that upstroke guitar. In it. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was so much different than I remember five hundred. It's way more rock. And then the yeah. new one is like, we kind of, so on on uh, on Engine of a Million Plots, we did one song that was kind of like this old school, like rock steady Jamaican ska. Yeah, yeah skinhead. Um, yeah, old skinhead called, ska. Yeah, I liked it. Someone else's problem, and we're like, we have one on the new one too, right? Couple. We were just yeah. like, this feels cool. I love it. So we're trying. It's it's hard, like. It's it's hard to find your voicing on that as a as like a white male. You're just like, how do I not sound like I'm ripping somebody off? Like, no, yeah. I, I think you did really sound good this way. Yeah, it's I think mostly you, you could tell that you're influenced by it, but it's still your voice. Okay, this is good. It's also a lot of listening to rancid. Just yeah. being okay. like, how does Tim Armstrong do this? Okay, well, you probably shouldn't take tips from Tim Armstrong though. <laughs> I not no. I mean, on singing, yes. On doing no, that's I meant on singing because your voice is so different. 
is, but he's so awesome. He like, I awesome. get it. Like I love Tim Armstrong. No, so I I try. I try and sound like more gravelly. I I feel like my voice is kind of lowered anyway. It's a little bit more gravelly. I sound less like a Muppet than I used to, but still You're so dude. much tougher now. Thanks, man. I wear black all the time. I'm trying. <laughs> that makes you tough. Now, um, my other yeah. question would be on a tech level, because basically pre-Kickstarter, you guys were recording mostly with Masaki, right? Yes. And then post-Kickstarter, technologies change and you guys can record yourselves. Yes. Um, and we also went with Jeremy uh jerry jeremy griffith he is he's produced a bunch of bands like norma jean and stuff yep. yeah um but he he somehow dennis as an adult has his job is creating music for commercials not jingles music so they yeah. come up with original songs and and they were in this studio it was where Amy Winehouse recorded her last album. Rolling Stones had recorded there. Bob Dylan, like it just, you'd see pictures. They'd bring them up and you'd be like, oh man, I just was standing there. Yeah. I just, <laughs> I feel blasphemous. But um, they had this studio because it was, it was kind of like in disrepair. And then his company moved in and fixed it up. Um, and then, got Jeremy and we're like, we need a producer. And they found Jeremy and they moved him up and he was doing it. And then when we made engine, um, Dennis was like, I have a producer. If you guys want to check him out. And Jeremy is so amazing. He's, he's so good at just kind of getting this newer sound that we have where it's more rock. It's grittier. He was a singer in a band. So like far and above me recording vocals with him is my favorite thing. He just, he had this, he knows how to tell you like, Hey, you sound like a dick bag or (laughs) (laughs) you sing higher or, you know, he'll say something nice and then you'll feel good and sing better. But like, you know, for me, it, it was, I needed that. I needed somebody that could kind of coax that stuff out. Yeah. So and then also when you look to the before and after, I would imagine, like, so for me with The Blamed, I look back to those 90s, 2000s shows of really having this heart for serving God and just how do I be present. Then when I fast forward to the modern day, I don't know if I have any regrets necessarily, mm-hmm. but I look, look at the modern day and I go, I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. And so I wonder how does that play into your guys' world? You you're glad you don't have to do what? It probably answered other people, just like what we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Exactly. Um I I love that about the modern age, you know, that you can make an album. Anyone can make an album. Um you can master it, you know, for five bucks you can master yeah. a song with ai i mean it's not the it's not as good as going to a real dude but anybody can make music you can get your music out there you can do it on garage band or you can pay 200 bucks for logic which is 
the best recording software there is, yeah. you know, and, and you can make music. It, the, like the, the thing that prohibited us from doing it was that like, what, you had to pay for a Tascam 4 track to make a demo. And then you could maybe go to a place that had a 16 or 32 track, super prohibitive. You needed a record label. You couldn't make a good album. You needed distribution. And now you just like pay a hundred bucks on two core and it's everywhere. You know, yeah. that the sky is the limit. All you have to be is good. And, and I think that's so cool. So like for us, same thing. We like, we, we don't have to do it for a living. So that is off the table. You don't have to say something a certain way to make money or to prohibit, you know, like to, to keep somebody's bills being paid. Yeah. It's just you and it's fun money that comes in for five hour and you know, just like, Oh, cool. I got a check. You know, it's nobody is making their living on it. And there's also, you know, like when you, when you're doing it for a record company, there's 30 other people that, you know, plus all the people that worked for Diamante or whoever your distributor was, that's their bread and butter. Like you, yeah. you, you, you are beholden to that. You cannot, you, you can't like just flip everybody off from stage and walk away. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to hurt a lot of people, not just the people in the crowd, but everybody that needs to eat from that. Yeah. And even the dumb stuff, Glenn and I were reminiscing the other night, our last blamed album on Duth and Nail was called give us Barabbas. And I told him how actually Duth and Nail pushback was that's going to be bad for you guys because nobody's going to know how to spell it when they try to special order it. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, when you think nowadays, you're like, if I it'll Googled spell corrective for you. Yeah, it just <laughs> I don't have to deal with that. But dang, in nineteen two thousand and one, it was still somebody telling me that not you shouldn't do that. You know. Yeah, that was crazy. It, yeah, two thousand one. I love that album. <laughs> I love it so much. When I saw that title, I was just like, oh, it's a great title. Yes. It's so good. It's so, it's so good. I, yeah, I mean, like the, I guess the other thing is like, are, are you, I mean, definitely you don't want to say something just for shock value, but like to tell the truth, it, you shouldn't ever have to question like whether or not this this is being said because it's going to cost someone you yeah. need to just speak it and on the in what context that, what's that in what context are you talking about i just think like lyrically you know like you're gonna yeah. you're gonna write a lyric and it's gonna it's gonna rub people the wrong way especially in the church you know this always happens or on the other side you know like it, playing secular shows you're always upsetting people because of what they expect Christians to be like. And if you, if you are that thing, if you are not what they think Jesus is, you're dead. Like you, they know, they know how Jesus is like all of everybody in this country is seeing cartoons about Santa Claus. Like they get it. 
Like they understand benevolence, they understand giving and love. And if you're, if you're saying Jesus is this mean dude who says you can't have blue hair, you're fucked, you know, like, sorry for my, my swearing, but like that, that is how, you know, like you're kind of skirting both sides. And so if you're doing that to, because somebody's livelihood is at stake, it's so good to have that off the table. So then your only metric is, am I doing this in love? Like, am I saying this because I'm angry or saying it because it needs to be said? And then is there a kinder way to say it? Or does it need to be said super harshly? Like, does it need to shock people? But is that also love? You know, is is Jesus turning the, the tables over in the temple? Is that... Is that love? I think it's both. Right. I mean, did did he hate those people? No, of course not. Of course not. But he but he was pissed. Like yeah. it's in our Bible because it had to happen. Like he had to go in there and say, This is wrong, and this is the amount of wrong this is. Like this is how pissed you can get. Did he well, whip people or did he just make a cat of nine tails? I don't know. But he was pissed. He threw all their stuff on the ground. Yeah. It was a big deal. But what well, were they doing? You know, like they were they were using God to make money. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my Taste Buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Right. Yeah, which which was our Christian music careers in the back in the day, not the Frank Tates or the Five Iron Frenzy, but yeah. we were in a sea of sharks trying to do what's right and have compassion. And but maybe post. you guys were doing that also. We yeah, did I mean, make money, like yeah. yeah. But Five is Iron that, Frenzy is that wrong? No, I don't know. Like, I don't think so. What what is it? Is it in First Corinthians? Paul says, don't, uh, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. So like you can pay your pastors, you can pay the, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I think that verse has been used for a lot of evil, a very lot of evil. Um, well, I always liked the game with you guys. Cause they're, but there's a person that's probably why Glenn had me come on and help do this with them because I know you. And I've known your authenticity for over, just like we're saying, 30 years. And I fanned out a little bit, so. Yeah, in that. It helps to have Brian. But just, you know, <laughs> I think that's the side of it that's really 
that that I would hope people take away from this episode or this conversation is that you know look outside of all of this let's say there really is a sea of sharks there really was this band that came through and their singer was Reese and he really did care about people and that really was the priority and the rest of it was as great as it was annoying you know thanks man I, well, oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Reese. Sorry. I don't, I don't know how to respond to that. You go. No, I didn't mean to give you a compliment. I just, I'm trying, Thanks, to paint, I'm trying to paint a picture more than flatter you because we're friends enough where I don't care what you think. The, um, but I just, man, I, I think I'll beat the listener takes away from this that that I, I will say this I would have never wanted to be in your shoes. I thought that all the time. Like, man, I'm thankful. I play this crappy punk music and I don't have to play at the Judson colleges and deal with some dude telling me what he expects from me. And I was on a lower scale and I had that. Yeah. Thanks. Man. Again, I don't even want the podcast to be about that. No, just- it's, it's cool, Brian. I just, again, there's that line, like pastors have to make money. People who work in the church have to make money. So I wouldn't yeah. like, Okay, on the label podcast, I, w- I wanted to fit this in somehow just because <laughs> I, w- I just wanted to bring this up. But you talked about you realized you were playing with a lot of bad ska bands. Yeah. And you were like, oh, is this what we've kind of come to, you know? And um, my wife was in a, a, as she would say, a bad ska band back in the 90s called Nifty Shit. 50. Yes, <laughs> I remember that band and they were not bad. Yeah, she said she played with okay. you guys often. When you, That's when your you came wife? To Chicago. Yeah, she played. Yeah, Libby. Yeah, she played trumpet. Dude, tell her I said hi. I will do. They were not a bad ska band. I I liked them, and she's embarrassed by it. But um, she so there's that whole thing. Like, and I don't. I don't. I, I want to be careful because I don't want to throw it under the, under the bus. But you know, okay. she sort of feels like man i feel weird for kind of pushing god in that way to all these people um i don't know and i again i don't want to put words in her mouth but when she was talking to me it feels like maybe it wasn't genuine um so there is a fine line like when it like you said jesus flipping the tables like in christianity it's really hard and i felt like you guys always treaded that line very well Thank you. I don't think I, I mean, like hindsight, what is it? What does it do? You, I mean, it just, you, it makes you wake up in the middle of the night or try and do better, I guess. Yeah. But I don't, I don't, I think, I think you can give us that credit because we were trying to do the best we could with what we had. We're 20 years old, you know, different. We season. tried. Yeah. I'm still doing it. I hope, I hope that when I'm 60, I'm like, Hey man, you've, you've grown, you learned. What trips me out is going back and reading my lyrics or talking to people I knew from back then and like, yeah, you're still like, you are still just as like kind of crazy pushing the boundaries then. Yeah. I agree. As you are now. And I, some, 
so, you know, like in hindsight, maybe I'm not looking at it correctly. You know, I'm, I feel like maybe we played too many church shows or maybe we did too many praise and worship sessions at the end. And, and people will talk to me and be like, no, man, that's not what it was. It didn't seem fake. Not I never heard anybody describe Five Iron Frenzy as I went to this show and I walked away thinking those guys are a bunch of posers. Oh no, man. I like to praise worship at the end. I thought that was cool. Here's the things that hurt um for me is like somebody will say, Hey man, you know that song you wrote about Freddie Mercury? It felt like you were saying me as a you know, like somebody will you know, be a, a, a gay male and they will be like, I, I was really hurt by that. You know, that fact that you said this whole thing, love the sinner, hate the sin. And you could have, you shouldn't have said that, you know, I shouldn't have said what I, what I, what I am is wicked or sinful. And, you know, I've completely shifted my views on like homosexuality and in the church and the gospel to where I, I, I'm so different, but like at that point, I felt like writing a song about, dude, I, I feel awful about homophobia, (laughs) you know, in the nineties, I'm going to write this song. And I felt like we're never going to play any more Judson colleges (laughs) or we're never going to be on the radio again if we do this, but I have to say it, I have to say homophobia is wrong and I'm going to make me, me be the person that I'm talking about because I'm homophobic. Like this is it. I felt this about Freddie Mercury. Well, you got Freddie Mercury tattoo. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. It's really nice. Is it? Yeah. We have. I love it. I dressed up for Freddie Mercury as Halloween one year. <laughs> you got you what did, did you shave this part? Yeah, I shaved yeah. I had okay, nice. But that's it, the thing what I think back to even when we were talking about your band and even thinking about Glenn's intro for the podcast. This is a podcast about hardcore. But I've always liked that you had those values of I'm going to stand up for what I believe is right. Thanks, man. And even if that includes that I was wrong. Same. I I feel like sometimes I am standing up to people in my own band being like, this song needs to be about this. We're going to do it. Yeah. I'm getting better at being softer about it. Like, hey, man, please, please, please don't be angry at me. But this is really important. Can we please say this? Yeah. Whereas before I just get incensed, like, why don't you get on board? Come on. We have to talk well, about Native Americans being mistreated. Yeah, even the hate, sin, not the sinner. Like this isn't my podcast, but there's a blame song called "For You" that was our single on the for, on the Frail record. And the song is about hating sin and not the sinner. Is written from a perspective of this girl I knew that was a heroin would do heroin, mm-hmm. and Bib. And it was almost like how I had made it about me because I hated it so much. But then I, but when I wrote the lyrics, they don't even have an answer. They're just saying, I hate this. 
but instead I'm hating you. And then I realized, no, I need to love you in and out of this. And so, like I said, that was, I think it's cool that, that people understand that we, there's a lot of times, even in our, whether it be our church upbringing or, you know, when you deal with counseling, let's say, within like couples or groups, they talk about history of origin. Like, man, a lot of us have this upbringing that we might think things are wrong because not know how to process it. Or we might think something. I was talking to someone the other day about the concept of, like, like what if I said to you, Reese, you're, your hair to me is weird, uh-huh. but then I'm going to get canceled because I've said this is weird. Or really, maybe I'm trying to be vulnerable and tell you, I don't understand your haircut. Yeah. <laughs> Triangle head. Yeah. It's covering up baldness is what it is. Yeah. Brian. It's like getting thin up in here. So if I make it stick up, I still Mine's got a, a couple over. more years. I have my bald spots right here. The, looking um, good. You're looking the side good. where no yeah. one gets it. <laughs> but I just meant that I think that's what's cool in and out of where you, you when you watch the Five Iron Frenzy progression, just that you guys, you yourself as a lyricist are able to be vulnerable and say, man, I've had to grow and learn. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't know, man. I, I feel like our last album is seems very angry, but most of that anger is pointed back at the church. And I feel like that is Jesus in the temple turning yeah. over the tables. Like yeah. he didn't get angry at people. He got angry at, at the church for being hypocritical, you know, like for, for the Pharisees praying in public for, you know, for these guys, you know, milking people out of money to get their sacrifice, you know, so that, you know, just using their, using their religion to exploit other people. And I don't like that. I'm not mad at anyone except not, not the people, but like this practice. And I just, I think five runs kind of always been about that, but now I don't have, I don't have to you know, like I don't need the muzzle. I'm not the ox treading yeah. out the grain. I don't need it. I have a job. I'm a nurse, you know, it's paid for. I, my bills yeah. are paid. Here's what Bring needs to be said. I love it. I'm going to do it. Tell them, tell the audience real quick. I'm sidetracking you is what's your college degree. I can't remember what it is, but it's <laughs> how it's something crazy. It's stupid. No, it's not crazy. It's a bachelor's. I got a bachelor's in biology, which was pre-med. Um, Cause I originally like my folks were just like, Hey, you're really good at math and science. You need to be a doctor. And that's all I heard through Fiverr. And they're like, finish your degree, finish your degree. So pre-med and there's nothing you can do with that. I went, I went and worked in like a genetics lab for two years and realized like, I, I don't need a degree for this. But what was so your I, what was your job title at the genetics lab? Uh, cytogenetic lab technician. <laughs> so the reason I, worked, I remember is because I was tour managing the chariot. It was a tour with the chariot, and as cities burn. Yeah. And we came to Denver, and I remember I got a hold of you. I got a hold of you, and we went and got some food. I think, 
Yes. You come from work. And most people don't know that the As Cities Burn guys are all huge Scoffians. And they no were like, idea. you're bringing Reese Roper here. I had no idea. <laughs> I was That's like, awesome. yeah, he's, they, they always, they ever told him, you got to ask him what he does for a living. It's crazy. <laughs> then I, I went back to school and got like just an associate's degree in nursing. So I'm an RN. But because I have a bachelor's in biology, it, it has opened a few more doors. So I get like, uh, I'm the director of nursing of a nursing home now. That's it. <laughs> Do you like it? Be, uh... I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. I love, I love that my job is taking care of old people. Love it so much. Oh, Every day. Rewarding. Yeah. Uh, Reese, we got to wrap this up soon. I really do appreciate it, but let's, let's, let me ask you this. Are you a coffee drinker? Yes. I drink at least four cups a day. What is your go-to coffee? So Costco has the, their Costco version. It's like a Verona. It's like of the Starbucks Verona. I worked for Starbucks the last, last year we did five arm. We took like a, a year, like six months off. And I was like, I'm just going to work for Starbucks. Everybody else went back to school. Interesting. So I was like, I want to hang out at Starbucks because I want coffee. So I did. When you work at Starbucks, I don't know what it's like now, but they make you go through like a coffee class for a day. So you learn about like French press and what the different grinds are and how long to cook the beans, like how long to, you know, how, how long to steep tea and all this stuff. So I, I got, super into coffee before i was just like yeah i like it but not black because i'm not homeless so <laughs> <What>? <laughs> i think people drink black black I drink coffee black are coffee. like you're like i wonder what the great Tread depression lightly. was like <laughs> you do yeah i love it have anything else with it or you just like nope. this is black. this feels like sorrow I love it. You can oh actually taste the real coffee if you're not drinking Starbucks. Mm. You're drinking good coffee. You can actually taste the coffee, how good it is. What, what, is, what should I try? Hmm. Well, I have to say this because we're sponsored by them. Mm-hmm. But Oak and Crow Coffee is actually probably one of my favorite coffees. Okay. I'll try it. You know what? Uh, send me your address and I will have... Jacob, who sponsors the podcast, send you a bag. Perfect. Do you okay. drink medium or dark? Dark. Dark. Okay. I'm going to have him send you a bag. I, ordered, the void. Uh, I don't drink coffee, but I ordered the King State, which is Tim from Under Oath and Nate from Amberlin. Yeah. They own a restaurant and coffee shop. And they were having some, like, something in Tampa happened and they couldn't open their business for like a week or two. Okay. So they reached out like our business is in dire straits, so everybody could help with buy a bag of coffee. So I went and bought my friend a bag of their coffee. But all I can tell you, because I hate coffee, it smells so good. Coffee does smell good. It it's really like, does. Yeah. What is it? Phenomes? Is it the 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 uh, like the organic ring that you smell? It's like in pot. And it's also in skunk smell. So sometimes you'll smell skunks and you'll be like, who's making coffee? But it's like <laughs> the same. 
I cannot remember the name of the organic ring, but it's it it smells good. Like something in 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 your lizard brain is like, oh man, I need to get some of that. But it is. I love coffee. I I do drink like four cups a day. I've got a system though, so I get that stuff from from Costco, and then grind it, and then I've got like a coffee maker. I'll set it up and and it's just drip. I'll do anything fancy, but it's good. I've I've dialed in like it takes five scoops this big, and I get it. It's good. It's awesome. Thank you I for doing try this. this other stuff. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna have Jacob send it to you 100. Um, you know what? Hold on a second. Let's let's have Jacob come on in here for a second. Jacob, have you been here the whole time? No, he just joined. Okay, Jacob. Hey, Jacob. Nope, it's connecting to audio here. Let's see if we uh. Backstory wise, joining Reese, Jacob played on the first Blame record and the first Left Out record. Really? Okay. And he sponsors a podcast and he owns Oak and Crow Coffee in New York. Okay. Oak and Crow. But, yeah. But it looks like he's uh Jacob taking some time yeah. to connect here. So right. you know what? Let's uh what song from the new album would you like us to play to take the listeners out of this uh so my i think the most meaningful song is renegades i love that song it's about three of us in the band have had like a school shooting happen and now so i'm including myself a kid with a bow and arrow tried to go in and shoot some other kids it's not the same but uh, like Mike, our guitar player, his sister was at Columbine and Scott, our bass player, his son was involved in a school shooting in his elementary school. Um, I just feel like the, I, I, I don't know. There's so much in this. Like I hate how the church has just stapled itself to the Republican party and their ideals. And I feel like, there's so much warning against worshiping war in the Bible, especially like all the prophets in the Old Testament, how they say not to sacrifice your, your children to Molech, which was the, the Canaanite god of war. Um, like they would take their children and they would bake them into clay pots and build the temple for Molech. And I feel like that is what we do as Christians now, like that's the church. Like we, we, we turn our back on our backs on like this, this horrible, horrible thing that kids are dying because what, because we're trying to stop abortion or whatever, whatever people vote for Republicans for. Like, I, I don't freedom. That's, that's my freedom. favorite argument is freedom. I don't, I don't get it. And I'm not saying like vote Democrat or vote Republican, but like, stop doing this. Like we have to s protect kids. So I wrote this song and it's just about how I think what is really driving it is arms manufacturers, that they are controlling our politics. You know, every time a kid dies in a school shooting, they've got to make a billion dollars in just the sale of ammo that's kids. Like it doesn't matter what party you, you serve or, or, or ascribe to 
we have to save kids. 90% of our country believes that there needs to be some sort of regulation on guns, but we don't do it because of this. And it's, this is not, this is not the character of Christ. This is not how we love the world. We don't pay into arms manufacturers. So renegades. Renegades. Cool. <laughs> Thank you, Reese. About. We're going to drop that. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. This is really good. Love you, man. Love you too. Thank you for doing it, man. Brian, I think he's talking to you, but I love him too. I love you both. <laughs> I love you 5,000 or whatever Iron Man says. Here it is, what you've been waiting for. Seven minutes of heaven with Jacob. Let me put the timer on real quick. Or tell us the copy first. What's up, people? So I have animal behavior from... 48 coffee roasters in Ithaca, New York. Okay. You ready for the, uh, for the timer? No, don't set it. Uh, so (laughs) damn it. So yeah, this is, uh, it's go a blend. Uh, it's a blend (laughs) Colombia and Brazil. It's a very easy drinking coffee. It's one of those ones that you just want first thing in the morning where you get up, you don't really want to think about what you're you're drinking. It's not something that's super like in your face and technical. It's just uh, nice and balanced and sweet. And um, yeah, you don't really have to. It's not one of those things you you take a sip and you're like, "Damn, I really want to," you know, think about all these elements. It's uh, I don't know. 
Interesting. Sorry, I'm, now now I'm I'm feeling rushed, so I'm saying a bunch of dumb things. You have seven whole minutes. Remember hey, last few no times, rush. seven. You did it in like three, and then you're like, oh, we got more time. Oh yeah. So <laughs> no, it's it's a nice medium roast coffee, and it's uh, it's not too bright. It's not too dark. It's just a nice medium roast, like traveler cup. I'm into it. I don't have a lot of other things to say about it. It's not. How much is it? Uh, so you can get it for about sixteen bucks for a twelve ounce bag. Uh, the bags are kind of fancy. It comes with like a patch on it. It's a patch on it. Let's see it. Like that's that's like like an actual patch that you can like peel off the bag. Which that's pretty cool. No, it it's not. I just okay. (laughs) So here here's the thing. So. There it is. Pull the patch off the bag. I'm not into it uh, only because while I do like the dudes over at 40 weight, I don't like that none of this is compostable. It's a little environmentally hostile, but um, it looks really, really nice. Three minutes of hell with Jacob. Yeah, you're always pooping on coffee. um, (laughs) Would you say patch? Is it a sticker? Like... No, it's a patch. Like you can take, you can take this. Then put it on the knee of your pants. You could sew it on to the crotch of your double knee Carhartts before you hop trains. You can put it on your vest. Like it's an actual patch patch. So it's cloth. Yeah, it's a cloth patch. So they do something, they're doing something cool and different and Mm -hmm. you hate it. I don't hate it. Talk about your attitude. I don't know. Hey, hey, fellow vegan. I like some environmental stuff. And this, I don't know. I, I Who are you talking to? I broke veg, bro. Pescatarian. Oh, shit. That's right. Because <laughs> if you're not now, you never were. Oh. <laughs> you sound like you go to church. <laughs> the more you learn, the more you know. <laughs> so do you recommend this coffee i do they do a lot of good work they uh they actually have a new shop within the past couple of months at the co-op where i've been working so it's it's kind of nice they uh they pull a nice shot they make some nice cappuccinos and lattes um yeah and they i think they work on a it's bigger than a 45 kilo roaster. Like it's huge, huge. I think they can do like 70 pounds at a time or something crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Do now does this come whole bean ground or can you get both? Oh, you can get both. Uh, if you go get like go on their website, um, you can request whatever you want and they do like, you can do 12 ounce bags. You can do, I think, Five pound, possibly two pound ground whole bean. Sorry, As a coffee noob. What would you say regarding shipping ground coffee? Is it does it really like I don't understand the science? Like, I know you buy whole bean because it's better, right? Right, it's fresher. You know, it's yeah. coffee is it's an agricultural product, so. Um, but yeah, if you're going to get ground coffee, 
uh, I would get little amounts if you're going to get it shipped. You know, drink it faster that like way. Like my mom, she she doesn't want a grinder. Hi, Eileen. Good coffee. Yeah. Yeah. I'll send your mom some coffee too. I'll hey, what about you. my mom? She's out. The um, I'll, show you, <laughs> I'll, I'll show you the Starbucks my mom buys, and you could give her a but uh, a Starbucks. Yeah, I'm not gonna send your mom coffee. No, not like that. I'm not. He's sending Reese coffee. Let's not over yeah, coffee yeah. him. No, no, I lean over Reese all day. Whoa, Reese, you didn't hear that. Jake and my mom are tight. Come on, just to be fair, I've known Eileen since I was 16, something like that. Yeah. And I'm like was, 74 now or something like that. So, it was just yeah. a joke. It was just a joke. So you drip, you you said you did drip coffee for this coffee. No, okay. So this I did Chemex uh 45 grams coffee, 750 grams water. And it dripped out at about six minutes. Um, and I always recommend pour over if you can. Not a big fan of doing the, what do you call those K-cup things? Keurigs? The K-cup things, yeah. Yeah, don't like it. Don't Your do it. Your first things? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so to the people listening with this coffee, what... Would you recommend how well, how would you recommend that people would drink it? This one I would recommend a pour over. Um, I would recommend either <laughs> seven minutes with Jacob. Hello, good crow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's it. Outro is uh I love you guys. Thank you guys for joining me on this podcast. Uh we sent so when we were doing silliness with uh Reese in between that no one will really hear. I took a screenshot and sent it to Matt at Steadfast Records because our record, you know, uh, pre-order starts. And he said, whoa, that's a that's a cast of characters. It looks like a fun cast of characters. So I agree. Uh, we're all characters. I'm glad we get to do this. This is this is fun. Like we actually get to come together and see each other's faces. And I know the listeners can't see us, but it's just fun to, to talk and bullshit with you guys and um, to have people listen to it. There it is. So I pre- I appreciate you, Brian. I appreciate you, Jacob. And I appreciate you, Stephen. Thank you so much. Um, this has been the Coffee and Hardcore Podcast. We've got some great guests lined up that I'll have to talk to Jacob about because he's uh, lining up the next few. Uh-oh. And, uh, well, you, you already know. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you all later. Drop that skull crack track. Boom. My we favorite out. hardcore record is... We out now. Boom. <laughs>
knowing that she wasn't allergic to it, she would rub poison ivy all over her lips and go out on the playground and kiss boys and what? just wreck them. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Your mom what? is so cool. 